Welcome to the Pregnancy Loss Podcast, the place I created for moms like us. Pregnancy loss is all-encompassing and creates an overarching theme that runs through our lives forever. We have to learn to live with and beside the grief of losing our baby. We have to learn how to live again, how to parent again, how to engage and interact and be social again, how to communicate effectively to connect with our spouses and significant others. We have to find who we are now. I'm here to empower and inspire you to live a life even with our unique circumstances. We cannot change what happened, but we can grow and use that strength and resilience to create a life that we love. I'm here to share everything I know about grief, motherhood, loss, marriage, friendship, and parenting. I'm here to encourage you to find the beautiful side of grief, the side where we don't have to isolate ourselves or suppress the need to share stories, the side where you have moms just like you to support and encourage you. The side where we become the best versions of ourselves, not in spite of our loss, but thanks to it. Pregnancy loss is devastating, but it can also be an opportunity to reflect on who we were and who we want to become. So join me every Tuesday for a new episode on the Pregnancy Loss Podcast. Let's jump in. Hey friend, I am so happy you're here. Today on the podcast, I would like to welcome Marie Selick. She is a licensed therapist and an empowerment coach for women who want to recover from the impacts of a mother who was or is not emotionally present in their lives. She focuses on empowering women to recognize that their worth is not determined by their mother's reactions, affection, or approval, but is determined by how they wholeheartedly live out their values. Marie helps women gain a deeper understanding of how the attachment to an unhealthy mother can lead to challenges with self-esteem, boundaries, and relationship, as well as how to redefine themselves the way they want to be, connected to their own emotions so they can live their most sincere life. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to Marie and all the amazing things that she does. So let's jump in. Hi, I am so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so we have Marie with us. And yeah, if you just want to go into your story a little bit and tell us about you and what you do. For sure. So um, I specialize in helping women overcome the impacts of their emotionally unavailable mother. However, for me, I actually grew up with an unavailable father. Um, that has created a lot of passion in myself. And I've, I've noticed, I, I really love working with women because I think women are more underserved. There's more, um, layers to it, but a little bit about, I guess, me is that I was born in Iowa. My mom has her PhD and my dad has about four master's degrees, um, So there was always growing up, there was this dominant woman household, I would say. And Mm -hmm. it seemed that my dad was slightly threatened by that. And it kind of went, it went into him being very emotionally unavailable, which is a generational thing on his his side of the family. Um, It led to personal protection orders. It led to, um, him never being present for any important events. He's admitted to not attaching to me or my sister. Um, when my parents divorced, when I was 10, 
I very much became the adult. I had been the adult previous, kind of, not that my mother wasn't parenting my sister and I, but I was kind of this, I have to take care of dad. He has over $100,000 in credit card debt. And so I always saw these really poor decisions and was always trying to help him or encourage him to make better decisions when I was 10. So there was a lot of responsibility that I took on for him and then guilt of enjoying anything he gave me. Um, Christmas presents that were very much geared toward things he liked, not what I liked. But then of course there's that, there's that guilt in getting those and not wanting them. And so there's a lot of complexity that came into that. And then of course, how that impacted, um, my growth as I grew older, my relationships, my views of myself and kind of where I am today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Aren't we complex as human beings and everything we go through? It's all cause and effect. So, you know, I, I got married to someone who reminded me of like of my dad And I realized that as I got older and went through therapy and really started seeing all of the causes and effects and the triggers and the reminders and the obligation and my attachment for him, but it not being back at me. Like me and my sister were never a priority. My mom was never a priority. It was always whatever he was hyper-focusing on at that time. So whether it was usually his writings, again, like he is a really, really smart person and really personable. Everybody loves him. My friends all absolutely love him, but they also know like there's other layers. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's, he's gotten kicked out of every church in my area because he has this belief that he is, he's going to change the world with his theological writings and his philosophical writings that don't make sense and don't speak to the common person. Okay. So there's, a, that's kind of, yeah, I bet those churches did not appreciate no, that. And it's over the years, it's been a lot of me reminding him. Um, well, for a while, it was me trying to explain to him why people aren't connecting with him, why you can't do that, why that doesn't work. And then, of course, through my own work on myself, it's really releasing the there is nothing you can do to make him who you need him to be. Yeah. And that is what really pushed me into my passion of helping women with their moms. Okay. So with your dad so did you end up having to cut him out do you just do like low maintenance with him like just checking in like what did you have to do to kind of separate yourself from that relationship that was not healthy for you yeah so our our relationship has varied significantly over the years um when i owned my own house he would come over and help But he would also show up without notice. Um, In college, he would show up to my boyfriend's house without notice. Just 
to get a hold of me. There were all very, very much lots of boundary issues, but there have been times mm -hmm. when we are closer. And I think those have been times when I have not had other things going on, pulling my energy. And so I could give him the attention on the big things he was working on. And right, there's a lot of compromise of how can I connect with this person? Well, I got to meet him on his level. But then as I've moved into my career as a therapist, as I've had kids, I've gotten remarried, I don't have time for that anymore. I don't have time to feed into whatever's going on, have conversations about the same things we've had conversations for for 20 years, you know, his writing. Isn't that crazy that they, like those types, the narcissistic types of parents, that's, they live on the past. Yeah. And he, I think he's, he's not narcissistic, but he definitely leans towards a personality disorder of sorts from yeah. what it sounds like is his, from how my mom describes it is his mother um, was very narcissistic and very controlling. And, and it's interesting because my dad will tell me about her and I will hear it in like how okay. she's thrown his stuff away, but he would just create excuses for her because I, I know these patterns, right? I see these patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, so it also depends on what he's obsessing about at the time, what our relationship looks like. Like there are times when he's obsessed right now. I mean, for the last 20 years, he's been obsessed with the atonement of Jesus Christ. Okay. And within that, he's also had obsessive times of um, Aubrey Hepburn. So even okay. to the point of like buying her beer when he doesn't drink because he wants to like be really, so just kind of these weird patterns. Um, I'm not no contact, but it's very minimal and it has gone very, very minimal since I've had my daughter and she just turned three um, about a week ago. And it's really a sense of like, I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to keep following up with you when you're not showing any effort to reach out to me to actually talk about me. Yeah. If he calls, it's because he needs something. Yeah. So it's okay. been a transition of kind of what that looks like. But I, I usually, um, my strategy is he has to, he lives on his own in subsidized housing. He has to, he has to send me a smiley face every single day, which lets me know that he's alive. He can choose the smiley face, <laughs> but we don't talk much. I see him a couple times a year, even though, you know, he lives reasonably close, but he doesn't drive. So he can't get to my house. Cause I'm on, I'm not on a bus line anymore. <laughs> That's sometimes a blessing. Unfortunately. It's, yeah, it, it was, I don't have that worry of him showing up. Yeah. So that's been yeah. helpful. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So in your work, I mean, I think it's interesting that you lean towards women when you mm -hmm. had the dad figure that, you know, was your, I wouldn't say problem. What there's a word I'm searching for, but parental parental emotionally unavailable something right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what so what is your 
what's the biggest thing you do right now with your clients? How yeah. do you, what do you do with them? Yeah. How do you help them? So I guess I, I'm going to talk a little, I guess I'll talk a little bit about how I got there to working with women. And then what yeah. we talked about is I found through therapy as I was really connecting with women, it was, it was always women who come into the higher percentage of women go to therapy. Yeah. So I, as a therapist, I see a higher percentage of women and women tend to talk about their moms and the challenges with their moms. And I found through that process, uh, women were, were healing through me working with them through that stuff. And I, the only conclusion that I had is that I had some, you know, through my experience with my parent, I was able to connect and I saw the cause and effect of my, my life. And so I could give that to them. And I saw this really repeatedly in my work over years and years as a therapist. And so I also realized it takes, it takes too long in therapy to give people healing. So in my 12 week program, I've taken evidence-based information. So um, information that's been, that's been used many, many different times, right? Like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, attachment work, kind of all this information. And I give two to three years worth of education in the 12 week program which would give me, two, like like I said, two to three years to give somebody in therapy because in therapy, you're talking about like, okay, what's been going on recently? What's right in front of your face? It takes years <laughs> to peel back all of that. Yes. Yes. And it's so dependent on the person in front of you giving you the right information as a therapist so that you know what they need. And so what I've done is I've gone to the very lower layers of what I know all of this to be. And I give people the education up front. It gives, they don't even, you don't even know what to ask with this stuff because it yeah. goes so deep, right? Most of the people um, that I talk to are like, I don't even know where to start because it goes so yeah. deep. And then I've, I see them as I work with them going through these modules and like, oh my God, all of this is making sense. Right. Because I know all the stuff they're not saying. And so I give them the information for their stuff they're not saying versus depending on weekly hour long sessions where I'm just trying to piece things together for them and give them little pieces at a time. Okay. Also, the work with mothers is trauma with moms starts in utero. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm also very much attracted to working with women overcoming their mother wound is because this really start, starts pre-birth, right? Cortisol, um, all of the, like, the stress hormones, stress, it's all passed on before birth. And then the susceptibility to further trauma and generational trauma continues. And so I really want to help cut yeah. that off. Yep. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, oh my God. Um, you have some experience yeah. with stuff too, don't you? Yes, I have a, a very, very toxic relationship with my mother. So much so that I had to completely cut her out. Mm -hmm. There was no changing her. 
I had spent 33 years of my life wanting her to love me, yep. but she doesn't even know how to love herself or anybody else. And her love was conditional on what I could do for her. Yeah. And, you know, me being a good girl and me listening to my mommy, <laughs> like, um, well, you're, you're always trying to overcome, which at the very, very core of all of it is when you're not treated as a priority as a child, oh, yeah. you're not given emotional tension. It turns into, I'm not good enough. Yep. And it it's turns into lifelong worthiness problems and being yeah. worth. Well, you're always trying to prove yourself of your worth, but you can never hit it. You could be the president of the United States and you would still have the belief I'm not good enough until yeah. you do the deep work to really solve the core issue. I know I've been in therapy for years and it's still, well, things would get better. So then yep. therapy wouldn't so much revolve around my mom. Yeah. And I knew better every single time. Oh, something and then big was coming. Of, I knew better. I shouldn't have gone back or I shouldn't have interacted or all of the, I shouldn't when you're, you're biologically seeking connection. Yeah. You, this is somebody you depended on from birth. You know, when you're born, you have, biologically, you have to attach. This is all mammals. You yep. have to attach to a caregiver. It's typically your mom because you were already pre-attached to her prior to birth. Exactly. Right? And so the problem is when your mom is an unsafe person, your gut is telling you to run. It's called like the recoil effect. You know, you put your hand on a hot stove and you quickly pull away. Everything in your being is telling you to run. It's unsafe. But you depend on your mother for yep. shelter, for security, maybe, for food. <laughs> right. So then you numb all of the running feelings, right? You lose ability to feel scaling of emotions, feel everything. And you're in kind of this survival mode. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've been, um, since we talked the last time, I mean, I've been on your group page and it's just like everything yeah. <laughs> I feel everything that I went through. It's like, ping, 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 ping. Yeah. Well, still, yeah, cause... still that regardless of whether your mom has passed away or whether you're no contact, like her narrative and the conditioning that you've gone through is still there. And yeah. it's always, it's not only stuff you got to heal, but it's stuff like you learn tools to manage so that it doesn't cause behavioral stuff. Right. I yeah. mean, which well, I obviously already have right. at my age because oh, yeah. it's been so long. Yeah, what I found is that, yeah, I found that therapy gives me the tools, mm -hmm. but motherhood is what brings the awareness. A hundred percent. Because I will, I mean, I'm, I've gotten so great. I've, I've like been chopping up these stupid limiting beliefs and all this stuff about how you should parent and mm. kids should be seen and not heard. And, you know, if you don't eat all your food, you're disrespecting me. Like you're 
These are fucking kids. Yeah. And that's these are not what they're doing, but that's what their generation grew up. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, motherhood is where you, I don't know. It's where I found all the reasons why I needed to get away from my mom, I guess, if that makes sense. Like I realized what she did to me while I'm trying to parent them because it comes out of me. And then I'm like, nope, nope, that's not what I meant. I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I particularly, I think all of the women in my program have all been moms. And it, it speaks to the demographic of people see- seeking help. And I noticed the switch when my daughter was born is... The minute you have a child and you have that unconditional connection to them, you look at your relationship with your own mom so different because you look at all of the negative interactions and you take that awareness and context and you apply it to you as a mother towards your child. And it's inconceivable. It's inconceivable the things they've said. The things, the, the things that they've obsessed over, the things that they've neglected, right? Dro- dropping me off or leaving me home alone at, when my mom was states away. Like it just, it's, you know, and just saying you're fat or saying, you know, you need to lose the pouch or whatever it is. That's my experience. You, it's inconceivable to apply that to you and your child. And so your kids motivate you. You see a sense of empathy and how your mom completely lacks it. It's devastating. It's all conditional. Emotionally immature people are very conditional in their desires and their learning and their love and their connection. Yep. They're for themselves. That's the only way they know how to survive. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they've taught, they've learned it. It's generational. I know. Right? And, and that I always, it's crazy to me because yeah. my grandma was my biggest supporter yeah. and loved me more than my own mom. Yep. But I know the way that she treated my mom yeah. is what caused not all of it, but you know, Totally. A big part of who she is. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, the generational thing, knowing that it came before them, knowing that it wasn't their fault completely. Yep. Knowing, though, also they had a choice to get better. Yeah. It's, but also knowing they can't look inward. It's, Yeah is again, emotional immaturity, right? It's a, it's a <laughs> lack of education around emotions. So you avoid any hard emotions. Well, if you avoid any hard emotions, you can't connect with people in any way, right? The, 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 you think of, of partners, right? You talk about really heavy stuff with romantic partners. It's just, I mean, typically, And that's how you draw connection. That's how you have this deeper understanding of each other and each other's thoughts and each other's emotions. But you can't have that with a parent who's not emotionally connected and is just 
shut off by any hard feelings. My dad just laughs. He can't. He can't, he can't do there, the uncomfortable. Right? He can do <laughs> philosophy and theology all day. But when it comes to like actually talking about things that have hurt me or even hurt him, he, he just smiles all day long. And it's like, that's a cover up. Yeah. That's probably, I mean, I, that's his way of shutting it down <laughs> that's exactly as fast right. as he can. The world's great. It's like, I, we don't need to talk about this. Yeah. My, um, my mom was very, I, I would say fakely independent because mm-hmm. she was very dependent on my dad. Right. Um, financially, every partner she has ever had, it was a financial conditional relationship and excuse me so she put on this facade all the time you know that she was a strong independent woman and she I mean she was aggressive severely aggressive um because she's hiding everything and she doesn't want anybody to like poke holes or say anything bad like so like I mean she just scorched the earth around her just and to prove expected, a point. And she expected you to be as so-called perfect and driven and, as her, right? But it was yes. unachievable because the bar would always change. I was not allowed to be at her level. If there was any point in my life where I was doing better than her, that is when the mean, nasty mom would come out. Threatening to her. Very. Very is threatening isn't it interesting how um again like we look at emotional immaturity and we look at, at really healthy people especially parents is emotional immaturity is you're threatened by your child's success right and so of course you gotta like you gotta push them down you gotta do you know whatever it is to stay at this top level to stay in control to stay to, to stay superior but as a healthy parent you want your kid to be better off than you. You want them to surpass you in every way. Yes. And I it know. Easy. The polar difference of that. I know. I think a lot of it for my situation, my mom, she truly knew that she didn't have anything or anybody. And all she had was us, me and my brothers. Like, we were hers. We were, but we were, we were, um, you were extensions of her extensions of her, but she owned us. Like that's how she treated us. Like we were property. You were individuals. You were like an arm or a leg. Exactly. Oh my God. Like (laughs) I have a million crazy, crazy stories that I could tell. I wouldn't even know where to start, but I just, I look at my kids and my daughter's mainly because the relationship is I always wanted with my mom. And so I just, I am so excited that I get to be their mom every day. Yeah. I think they're just, I mean, my boys too, of course, but because of the mother daughter nope. thing here, nope. we're talking about like, I can't even fathom how she could treat me the way she did. Yep. Because if I would rather, I would rather kill myself 
than ever, ever do that to my kids. Yeah. Like you're, you want to do the opposite. You want your daughters to be empowered as F. (laughs) Like you want them to, to set a room on fire with doing what they want to do and being strong and being independent. Like you want them to rock the world. You want them to change the world. I know. You it know, makes when, me sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my daughter's independence all get up. She my husband jokes that she well, and it's real. She's my daughter. <laughs> um but yeah, it's just so it is just so crazy to think that somebody can't have that connection with somebody. You know, because of their own disconnect with their own parent and not knowing what connection looks like, or even it's, well, it's differences in values too. Like you can say you have family, you, you have a value of family, but you don't really know what that looks like. I mean, it means self-sacrifice for, in a good way, right? It's like, I don't, I don't. I mean, I sacrifice for my daughter every day. We all, we all sacrifice for our kids, but there's no like blame behind it. There's no like anger behind it. This is just what I do and I love it and it's frustrating, (laughs) but it's awesome. Yeah. Because you get the connection out of it. But of course, if, if a parent who's emotionally immature, isn't getting anything out of it, no connection, what incentive do they, do they have to, to put any good into it? Yeah. I'm learning too that the, it's like, oh, my brain shuts down. I swear to God. <laughs> like, uh, where was I going with this? I don't know. I feel like um, because my mother is a narcissist and she has borderline personality tendencies, as told by my therapy, yeah, my therapist and everything we've had to go through. But it's like they're, she's what, like 57 now, but so past the point of ever trying to make things right. Um, I haven't talked to her in over a year. Uh, My grandma died last December and my mom decided not to call me and let me talk to her and didn't even tell me after she died. Oh my God. Because she did not didn't like our relationship. Yeah. She, she was, was jealous, jealous of our relationship. Of course. And that was like my final, the final thing. You don't. She took that from to, me. Yeah. You don't get to make that choice. Yeah. And that's her power. Yeah. That is always the power that she's struggling to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually got a letter from her about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And as you can imagine, it was great about the family. Great, great, great. And then it gets so like, you can tell her mental state mm-hmm. and how unstable she is by the font sizes that she uses in trying to tell me something like, you know, uh, yeah. there's a message underneath. <laughs> so like all the big lettering for the family, like, oh, I'm, you know. I heard we have a new member of the family, all this stuff. And then in little tiny writing is when she starts going at me 
um, uh, yeah, you're 34 now. You should stop having kids. You know, you should worry about your health because nobody's going to care about you when you're old. Like ripping into me. And this is, this is the thing. Like, and she goes to the whole God thing. Like that's her, that's her reason behind what she's doing and what she's saying to me. And this woman, it's, it's like respect your moment, your, your parents. Okay. Always. The, why she is yep. blindly follow. Don't question. Don't ask. You know, I am you do bad things. You're going to hell. Yep. And I have authority. I am right. And you are wrong. And it's like, well, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just like astounded. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm not, you know, my therapist was like, did you ever think about sending it back? Like, does, you know, I, that never even crossed my mind, but because I know there will be retaliation and I know she will do something. Don't know what, but that is who she, she is. It back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's really picking, it's picking your battles. It's like, do you, is, if that's going to truly, that is not, I mean, maybe not the best thing, right? You, you want to shut stuff down, right? What they great, what gray rocking, right? Is short, sweet responses to people with narcissistic tendencies. Oh um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's short. I, the work I teach this, but I've like never I heard that, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. It's very short and sweet statements. Okay. Thanks. No problem. Oh my God. They None hate it. it. Into it. None of it feeds it. They can't, they can't respond. They can't use anything you're saying back at you. You can't use any remo- emotional. Content. Yeah. You're not giving them yeah. any content. So it, you know, that's the goal with someone with narcissistic personality or, you know, narcissistic tendencies is just gray rock. But of okay. course, the letter is like, okay, so do you want to respond? Do you want to send it back? Is that going to make it worse? Or do you just want to gray walk and just go, okay, to yourself and not do anything? Yeah, but I just ripped it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't need that. Time. Actually, sending it back is it's too much energy back at her. Literally. I hate going to the post office anyways. That's not it's happening. It's too much energy. It's like, don't put any energy into it. She would think of it as a response. Yes, she Whether would. it was negative or not. That's all she wants. So don't give her any response <laughs> at all None. because you giving it back engages back in the conversation. You yep. don't want to be part of the conversation. That's why you checked out. Literally. I know. Yeah. Well, in the work you do, like what, how does, is your, your work is just, uh, well, it's not just, you could do so many things, but like around the mother wound. Mm-hmm. How does this affect motherhood? Yeah. Okay. Like, what are what do you see the most of and how it affects them the most as moms? So the biggest thing I talk about, and I mean the people that are in my program hear this all the time, is pendulums. Okay, when you're overcompensating for a belief about yourself, the pendulum swings to extremes on the other side. And of course, the goal is to be in balance. So an example with parenthood is you're so afraid to be your mom or you're so afraid that your child is not going to think you love them that you let them get away with hell. 
So this can, okay. this can be really challenging with discipline. Saying no, holding to your gut, because you've also been taught through your conditioning to not listen to your gut feelings. So you might listen to other people. Question, you re-question yourself, every decision you make about parenting, about life, about work, you know, all of it impacts like raising children. You question and re-question yourself. You might have to get, even though you know a decision is best for your child because you know your child best, you might constantly be seeking approval from others or running things past others to make sure that is a good decision. It gets complicated though, if you already know what's good for your child and then you run it by three or four people. I mean, it's good to run it by some people, right? But if you keep running it by people, it puts way too much information in your head and way too much questioning and re-questioning yourself. So discipline is really hard because you're not only afraid that they're not going to love you or that they're not going to think that you love them or that they're going to not feel connected to you or they're not going to love you or the other. So kind of how I tell how, how I work with my clients is I really emphasize facts over feelings. So when we talk about connection to our children, you know, you're one of your biggest fears, because of course you, you believe you're not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not good enough at caring for my kids. I'm not good enough that they're going to love me or that they're going to feel connected for me or they're going to leave me. So you're always overcompensating that. Facts versus feelings is what does connection look like with your kid? It looks like your child coming up and asking for hugs. It looks like your child feeling comfortable asking you questions, you know, complicated questions. Why is the sky blue? <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, it looks like them screaming and having, um, having a fit and then coming and sitting on the couch with you while you're reading them books to sleep because they know that you love them unconditionally. That's, those are facts that show that you are a connected and present mother. Even if you have the feelings that you're not good enough or you're not doing something good enough, you got to look at the facts. You are not your parent. You are not your mother. Because your child shows this evidence of connection to you. So the biggest fear, of course, is they're going to feel like their mothers or that. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to feel my feelings. And the other part is um, solving your child's feelings. It's another tendency of moms that come from emotionally unavailable moms. We give me an example of that. Yeah. What do you mean? So if your child, let's see, comes home from school, okay, and they're really, really upset about something that happened at school, you're not just sitting with them and saying, I'm so sorry you feel that and kind of going through the situation with them. You're looking to solve it. So 
your quick quick solutions, right? Gotcha. Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's uncomfortable, yeah. right? And if and this is this is what I've seen with many many therapy clients is always, um, always needing to even solve their child's depression or solve their child's anxiety, and it's really releasing control and going just because you can't solve it doesn't make you a bad mom. They have their own independent feelings completely separate from you. The only thing you need to be as a connected mom is you need to be available to them so that they, if they have any questions or if they want to talk about it, they can come and talk to you. Or if they don't want to talk about it, they can come and sit in the same room. They can come give you a hug. So there is this tendency to want to solve other people's yeah, business. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> exactly. So that's another one that really comes into, okay. into parenting is really it's all overcompensation from these right. inner beliefs about yourself. I'm not good enough, right? I'm not good enough mom, which means I have to be like super mom, which is unachievable. Yeah. yeah. Or moms. <laughs> I love moms. <laughs> I love working with moms. This is... Well, it's, you know, women statistically are still expected to do most of the parenting and the housework, right? Not all the time, but statistically speaking, it is still Majority. something that is still being worked on in our society. And so moms are not only doing that, but then they're dealing and recovering with their own junk, right? <laughs> I call it junk it's, all the time, right? It's it, I just it's just the junk. <laughs> it is too, and most of the stuff we don't need to. Oh, right? What was that? Mom guilt. I mean, this is already yes. a thing for like all moms, but then I want you to add on a no whole another layer of from from childhood. I've believed I'm not good enough. Add yeah. that on top of it and then add on top of this is just, you know, from my experience, uh, a homemaker, like a stay at home mom whose husband works all or, or partner works all day and comes home. There's this, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not a good enough mom, right? There's so many layers to this that are, and you feel them every day. Yeah. Like that's why feelings are so not what are it's they're not dependable <laughs> they're not no. they're not fact all the time right they're, they're fleeting there are two different kinds of emotions i don't know if you know this so so there are two different kinds of emotions there's natural feelings or natural emotions which are like grief okay. when somebody dies it's it's really strong at the beginning and then it it levels out right okay it naturally declines um, fear can be like that too, right? Oh my God, you're scared. But then like your body cannot be on edge all the time. So it levels out. Those are natural. Okay. Manufactured emotions are based on things you're telling yourself. So, I mean, a good example is like, if you're at the grocery store and somebody's looking in your direction, oh my God, that person is judging me. I must have something on my face. You're feeling is fear, discomfort, vulnerability, but those are not real feelings. 
because there's no evidence that that person is actually looking at you, let alone making a judgment. So this is all the stuff that your mom feeds into or your emotionally unavailable parent feeds into is these adaptation strategies you've had to have to manage her in that relationship with her growing up, always having to be 10 steps ahead of interpreting her feelings, her thoughts, her actions. Keeps in you order safe. To yes, because it keeps you safe. Yeah. But that's not necessary and actually causes damage like chronically as you age, because then it causes this just chronic anxiety, this worry. So <laughs> natural emotions are you feel them and then they're, you know, a friend moving away. Oh, I'm feeling really sad. sad. Yeah. It levels out, right? You don't feel that same sadness forever. But if you made the statement to yourself, my friend moved away because they don't like me. That's going to be a fake feeling because there's no evidence. So people, and this, I mean, you think of the conflict in relationships this causes, right? Well, I feel it, so it must be real. And it's like, well, actually, feelings aren't always real if it's based on something you're telling yourself. Right. I know. Our brains are tricky. Yeah, they are. And we haven't learned to manage these different things. And so they just go crazy. We're always (laughs) ruminating about something that literally shouldn't be in our head. Oh, and rumination is, is it's deadly. Rumination (laughs) is typically the result of you telling yourself you should have done something differently, or if you had done something, then so so, something wouldn't have happened. Right. Or would have happened. Situational. Which always leads to the feeling of guilt. Okay. So this is at really the foundation of trauma work is guilt, overcoming guilt and shame. I should have done this if I hadn't done this. And this is, this is what we're programmed to do at when a bad event happens is instead of saying that person made a poor choice or that person did it, we reconcile by saying, well, either excusing their behavior, especially a parent, right? Or telling yourself, well, I shouldn't have done that. Or this is how I contributed when there's really no evidence that you had contributed. Our brains become really selective. Yeah. And with the negativity bias that we all have, it's so hard to get out of that. It really is. Oh, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And then it's on that track of, oh, I'm not good enough. I suck. I didn't do enough. Yeah. I know. My daughter's birthday, Violet's birthday is today. So last night, me and my husband are like going crazy and doing all the decorations once they go to bed. And I wake up in the morning and I forgot the dang invitations for her birthday party this weekend. Like I'm two (laughs) weeks behind. Like moms need time to like, it takes like me like three weeks to just get a present for somebody's birthday. So I'm just so behind ruined our whole morning once Violet found out that I had forgotten that. And so I'm like, God damn it. I'm the worst mom in the whole freaking world. I decorated, but I forgot the invitations and like her birthday party is the most, you know, most important thing. Yeah. 
but everything else doesn't matter anymore that I did it because I messed up this one thing. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not good enough at keeping, keeping up to date. But here's the thing. Was that a controllable situation? Like, did you intend to forget? No, of course not. Okay. There are levels of responsibility. There's uncontrollable, there's responsible, and then there's, there's blame, which, which indicates intent. My guess is you felt guilty. Of course. Guilty comes from telling yourself you did something wrong. Okay. But that also comes from in that you got to connect those to intent. You didn't intend to do anything. Now, did you have a responsibility? Yes. But also <laughs> how much stuff, I mean, looking in context, how much other stuff was going on in your life in the last two weeks that totally played into just, just not it, just not being at the top of your mind. I know. Yeah. But yeah. It, and you don't really, you don't notice it while you're doing yeah. it unless you're so, so aware and you're really good at it and you've like worked through all this. Um, I catch myself like in the middle of it. And then I'm like, shit. That's actually really <laughs> good. That no, no, that's actually really good. You've done work. Because how I tell oh, it to, to, to clients is like, expect you to catch yourself a day later. And then as you work on it, it'll be four hours later. And then an hour later. And then 30 minutes later. And then in the moment. And then right when you start. So like five the goal. minutes in, that's actually pretty good. You know, that's yeah, part, you literally are rewiring your prefrontal cortex to, to rationalize and pull apart, derationalize, right? Your thoughts. Yeah. It's hard work. It is hard work. And I could <laughs> just talking to you, I like, I always wondered, I go to therapy and literally I've been going to therapy for like 10 years, different oh, therapists yeah. all over the country, but yeah. I'm like exhausted. And I'm like yawning. Like I'm yawning right now because yeah. while we talk, it's processing, we're processing yeah. all this stuff. And I didn't know that you could, there were physical symptoms for processing these types of things. And cause my therapist always, she's always like, how are you feeling about this session? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. Why am I so no, tired? I slept no, last night. It's so funny. I'm sitting here yawning, like, and I'm trying to hide it. Yeah. Trying not yeah. to be rude. I'm like, how much of well, yeah. stuff is system? so funny. Like in my program, I literally have two weeks of nervous system regulation because if you don't have that, you can't do the cognitive work. You know, if you're always reactionary, if you're always immediately go into self-criticism without even catching it, the first thing you have to do before even addressing that is nervous system regulation, calming your body, gaining back control of your thoughts first. How I explain it is, you know, emotions on a scale of one to 10. Okay, 10 being like panic attack, blowing up, like you're beyond, you You guys got it. It's just a time, right? You just got to <laughs> away. 
eight to 10, you still can't process. You can't do the cognitive work. You can't pick the, the thought pattern out and challenge it. Okay. So the goal is we got to get you below an eight. We okay. got to calm your ner- nervous system below an eight because unless it's like, it needs to be below an eight in order for your prefrontal cortex to stop being in fight, flight, freeze mode and actually process the information cognitively. Cause you can only process in a safe space, right? Correct. You can't process you in that. Essentially give your body a safe space. You have okay. to stop. You have to, you know, this is what so much the women in the program are always like, I've gone back to the nervous system module so many times. And I'm like, you should go back, go, go through it after every yeah. single additional module and work through it because you're physically training your body to calm. Like my, my, my dad, he could say anything and it no longer pushes my nervous system on edge. I mean, I yeah. go home and roll my eyes with my husband, right? <laughs> yeah. oh my sister. But it no longer causes me distress. And that is just tons of nervous system regulation over the years. And then the cognitive work. And then the yeah. nervous system. And then the cognitive work. Yeah. My point now is like when I when I have to hear from her or I've had this random thing where my phone will reset and everything that's been blocked from her pops up oh. out of nowhere. Like, but I'm just like, God damn it. Damn you. <laughs> because then my emotions yes totally it's so funny but yeah i'm yeah oh aware of the time but i love that you're doing not just your therapy but you're coaching and you're teaching women the same thing but condensed and focused which is amazing lots of yeah yeah so it's yeah. Do okay. you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Like do, where do you, where are you the most? Yeah. So I'm on Facebook. I have actually a free Facebook group with live trainings that I do bi-weekly now. Cause I have a ton that you can replay. Um, they're all heavy content, but yes. they're not walked through. Right. So my coaching program is a 12 week coaching program. It's twice a week. I, I, again, I use evidence-based. This is the way I work in therapy. Um, you know, any sort of change, especially cognitive and emotional and historical and generational studies have shown like therapy needs to be done once a week. Okay. Twice a week is a bonus. So in PTSD work, which is what I specialize in as a therapist, um, one to two times a week is what you do. And so that's why I provide two coaching calls a week. They're an hour long. They're group coaching calls. I was so going to ask that. Tons of cross cross content because again, kind of like I talked about, sometimes you don't even know what where to start. You don't know what the issue is until you hear it come out of somebody else. Exactly. Mouth. You don't know the oh words. My God, I didn't know that was part of this. Right. So I'm coaching them and you're like, oh my goodness. It's sparking it's everywhere. Everyone's like, sparking. oh my God, yes, yes. These calls are my favorite part of the week. So yes. modules are self-paced. You just do them on your own time, right? There's a there's over 30 of them, like 30 videos, yeah. 12 modules, right? Yeah. Um, nervous system regulation, overcoming 
automatic thoughts, right? These limiting beliefs about yourself and the world, lots of self-esteem work, boundaries, communication, what a health, what does healthy look like? What does unhealthy look like? Right. All of the stuff, how to be your most authentic self. This is what is lost in generational trauma because you're conditioned to be who they want you to be, not who you truly are. You end up not even knowing what you like or who you are. So I'm on Facebook. The mothering yourself method is the name of my Facebook group, but you can also, I totally do free 45 minute consults to see if like people are fit for the program, if they're interested. Um, But I have a website, you know, uh, mesellickcoaching.com. And I'm also on Instagram, mother wound coach, underscore mother, underscore wound, underscore coach. So I got like, Lots of reels, y'all. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just learning Instagram. I swear. It's like the hardest thing for me because I'm I Facebook it, generation. Now, oh, I know. I know. I hated it, but actually like there are such awesome realizations and things that come from the coaching calls and I'm like jotting them down. I'm like, gotta do a reel, right? Like, <laughs> gotta share this information with the world. Because this is just, this change, this changes your kids' lives. It changes your grandkids' yeah. lives. It goes on forever. So. Yeah. I'm so glad you're doing this work. When I found you, I'm like, or when we connected, I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is amazing. Like I've been looking for, you know, therapists or people who work with moms with the mother wounds. Cause I'm yeah. also just, you know, in the middle of reading the book, mother, the mother wound or, but Yeah. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. It's so exciting. And I'm excited to see where it's going. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I got so much out of this. Yeah, we'll have to have you again. Sounds great. Thanks so much. (laughs) We'll talk soon. Okay, thanks. Oh my God. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know how to end this. Should I? (laughs) You just... Thank you so much for listening to the Pregnancy Loss Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I created a guide on 20 ways to celebrate your angel baby. It gives you 20 amazing ways to celebrate their birthdays or ways to just remember them on any given day. If you want to download it, head over to valenweb.com resources and click the link. I hope you guys have a great week. See you next time.